Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, welcome back to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, if, you've, if this is your first episode, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the previous two episodes, uh, both of which have sort of been a preamble to this idea of seasons and uh, the fact that your life operates in seasons. And it's not just one giant season, but in fact, you can experience several different seasons and cycles of seasons throughout your life. And so if, if that is confusing to you, I would encourage you to go back, listen to the previous podcast, and then come back and join us here as we dive in to spring. Richard, springtime, wh- what's it all about? <laughs> You've been waiting for me to get to springtime yeah. for a while now. We, we, <laughs> spent, we spent two podcasts just getting to springtime. Yeah. But, uh, we don't want to rush springtime. No. You, you have to be prepared for it. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, we did take uh, the, the previous two podcasts just to talk about the fact our life flows through seasons, and a number of times you'll go into a springtime. And we said that spring is about beginnings. It's about possibilities. If you're on a farm, that's when you plant seeds. That's when you prepare for what's coming. Uh, it's about potential. It's it's forward-looking. There's a great uh, verse, actually, that I, I, I sort of feel describes God's heart towards springtime. And it's uh, in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. God says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I love that picture into the heart of God. He says, Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now, I'm a historian. I've got a PhD in history. So I don't think he means just forget your history that don't care about what happened in the past. But I think what he's saying is, what I'm about to do is so exciting, uh, so invigorating, that you won't even have time to think about what you did before, because the next thing I do is going to be the best thing yet. And I, and I feel like, in one sense, that's the heart of God, that his best work in your life is always the next thing. And it's yeah. pretty exciting uh, to think of God that way. Well, yeah. and I think it's also really exciting, and I can remember instances in my own life, to think about the next phase of, of yeah. life. And and I think yeah. that can that can be dangerous if you're always thinking about the next thing. But there's just something inherently exciting about always dreaming about the future. I think as kids, me and my brothers would always dream up these ideas to do stuff in the future. Um, and that's just sort of a natural thing for people to do is to just think about the future and think about possibilities. Because it hasn't happened yet, so... Yeah. There's sort of that you can infinite, dream. Yeah, and infinite I, possibilities. And I think uh, dreaming is important. Yeah, and, and by the way, I think, you know, I, and we've said this before, but probably the, the most significant leadership role you'll ever have is if you're a parent. If God blesses you with children to raise, uh, to lead those children from brand new babies into responsible, godly, loving, respectful adults is quite a journey. And to lead them that way, of course, when, when babies are born, they're selfish, totally self-centered, self-absorbed, uh, thoughtless of anyone else's well-being but their own. And so there's a lot of work to do. Uh, and so how do you mold these people? And so one of the things that we did with our kids is that we wanted them to fully experience every new stage of their life. 
We, we didn't want them to, to leave a stage of life with regrets. I personally feel like that's what causes so much of midlife crises. A midlife crisis happens when you, you hit middle age and you realize, you know what, you squandered your youth. You, never, you had dreams in your youth you never fulfilled. You had passions that you never got to try out. And so, you know, sometimes, this, this is how that happens sometimes. Kids are growing up and they've got all kinds of dreams of one day becoming an astronaut or becoming a rock star, a uh, cowboy, whatever. But by the time they're nine, ten years old, uh, their father's already trying to teach them responsibility and that they need to get a paper route and they need to have a job and do chores and learn work ethic. No, I'm not saying that you shouldn't teach your kids to work sure. or be responsible. But uh, I, I knew some kids that uh, grew up when I did that, for instance, we'd go to summer camp for a week. One of the highlights of our whole year was going to summer camp. But these guys couldn't go because they had a paper route that they had to deliver papers for every, every day. And uh, we'd go on vacations, but they, they didn't go on vacations. They might go to the fair one night after work. We got to volunteer and go on mission trips and do other things, ha have lots of youthful experiences, uh, which some of those kids didn't get to have. They started working by the time they're 10, 11 years old. They began to value money which their dad, I think, wanted them to value, but they didn't get to explore. They didn't get to dream. They didn't get mm. to try stuff out. And uh, so later, what happens? These guys have been working now. They're, they're 45 years old. They've been working since they were 10. They've never really done a lot of fun things. They've never chased a dream. And, uh, and now they have a midlife crisis. And all of a sudden, they start trying to revert back to an earlier period in their life that they and trying to live it the way they should have the first time. Only now it's not appropriate for their age. And so when it comes to raising kids, at least for me, I always said, and my wife would say, well, if you're a preschooler, have a blast being a preschooler. I mean, it, it shouldn't just be a lot of fun and play. I mean, that's the only time in your life where it's, it's going to just be your, your calling in life will just be to play hard all day. <laughs> so just enjoy it. But when school season comes, uh, there's still lots of fun that you can have as a student, but now you got to start studying and learning and memorizing. But still, give them as many opportunities to explore, to dream as possible. Let them ex let them have all the springtime experiences as possible. And uh, when you're a college student, uh, even a teenager, you know, I I told our kids being a teenager ought to be a blast. I mean, there's some tension there, and you're going through some adolescent changes and so on, but um, but explore, enjoy, embrace spring, the spring times that come and uh, try things. You should travel when you're young. You should see different cultures. You should try different experiences. Don't just get stuck in just doing the same thing the same way all the time when you're still young. Certainly, that's a great time in your youth to be embracing spring times. And so I, I just told my kids, when you're a teenager, when you're a college student, when you're a young married person, whatever stage you're in, embrace it fully, and explore all the possibilities. But oftentimes what I find is, you know, you, you get it, maybe, maybe you get an 18-year-old young girl who just dreams of being married and having kids. And so she gets married at 18, she starts a family, and she begins a life of being a mother and maybe not necessarily having lots of income. She doesn't have much education. She never went to college. She never traveled, never tried anything different, just settled right into the grind of raising young kids. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with raising young kids. But if you've never explored, if you've never looked at possibilities, you've never tried things, you're going to get to a point in your life later on where you realize that that's the case, that you don't even know what all life held for you. You don't know that you couldn't have done really well in school, and you might now have a much better job if you'd gone to college out of high school. But you were never encouraged to try things and to enjoy the springtimes that came in your life. And so you'll never know what could have been. And so at least in raising my kids, I was just determined that, that they'd not have regrets later. And so springtime, every time it cycles around in your life, it's a new opportunity for you to try something new, to be stretched, uh, to grow, to, to not stay where you are. Now, maybe you've been teaching a teenage girls Sunday school class at your church as a volunteer for the last 10 years. For 10 years, you poured yourself into the teenagers of your church. You love them. You've run around with them, done stuff with them. And then one day, the uh, education minister of your church comes to you and says, uh, hey, we'd like to start a ladies' Bible study uh, or a Sunday school class, and we'd love to have you consider being the teacher for that. Well, you've never taught people your own age before. You've always taught people younger than you that were teenagers. But now these ladies are your friends. These are your peers. Some of them are older than you, been Christians a lot longer than you. And it's a little safer teaching teenagers because you know a lot more than they do. But how is it going to be teaching your peers? Uh, you have to teach differently. You have to change your style, uh, your approach. Your whole ministry is going to change. You've had success with teenagers. Why change it up? But uh, you, you sense in your spirit that God's saying, I want to do a new thing with you. It doesn't mean that the old thing is bad that it's going poorly. Uh, it's just that God has more he wants you to experience. And so you have to decide, do I hold on to what I'm good at or do I trust God with something new? And, uh, and that's what springtime is. So that's why I've known business people that they maybe were in a job and they'd risen in management. They'd had lots of success. Uh, they like where they live. They, they like their commute to their office. And then all of a sudden, they're approached by a larger firm. Would you come and be uh, an executive VP for us? And it's a much more responsibility. It's a bigger company. It's going to involve some things you've never done before. Boy, why do I do that? I mean, yeah, there'd be a bit more money, but uh, boy, there's a growth curve. What if, I, what if I can't make it? What if I'm not good at that? What if they're not happy with my work? Uh, I, I could stay where I am, and I know they like me there. Uh, there's a big upside if things work out at this new opportunity, but there's always that fear in springtime. What if I don't have what it takes? Mm, there's no guarantee. Yeah, it's uh, it's about possibilities, but you you can't see the future. And so, what happens with some people is they just choose to live life by playing it safe. Uh, just you know what? It's yeah, that's that looks exciting, but um, but what if it doesn't work out? So. I'm just going to stay where I am. I've done this a long time. I'm too old to change. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I think at this point in my life, I'd better just play it safe. And, and I know some people that you can always tell a leader who's gotten into that mode of just playing it safe. They, they don't need to grow anymore uh, to do their job. Hmm. They can just, they can be the same person uh, and just keep doing the same thing with the same skills, the same knowledge and getting basically the same results, but they'll never know what could have been uh, if they had 
embraced that new springtime and done something new. Now, you know, the opposite is people that are constantly chasing the next springtime. Uh, they never stay anywhere long enough to actually go into summer, to growth and maturity. I know pastors that uh, about every two years, they've kind of preached all their easy sermons, they've done all their easy stuff, and instead of growing in summer now and maturing and developing as leaders, it's just easier to find a different church and have a whole new honeymoon all over again. So they just keep moving about every two years to a different job where they don't really ever have to grow. They can just kind of keep being the same leader they've, they've been and uh, enjoy another honeymoon and then move on with a bunch of new ideas and vision that they never carry out. And so there's a, there's a danger on both sides. Some people that are always chasing the next springtime, but don't ever let that flow into a, a summertime of maturing and growing. And then there's others that springtime comes knocking on their door, but they're scared to change things up. So they just stay where they are. Hmm. And uh, in either case, uh, it's not healthy. And that's why you have to trust God and his timing. You don't have to be looking for a springtime. But when that springtime comes, when that opportunity comes, uh, then you've got to embrace it fully and let God do what he intended to do in your life when he brought that springtime to your life. Wow, well, that's really good stuff. Let's take a quick break here, and then uh, uh, we'll pick this up in a second. During this series, we want to offer our listeners an extra 10% off Richard's popular book, The Seasons of God which can help you identify the changing seasons in your life. Go to blackbeestore.org and use coupon code SEASONS at checkout for an extra 10% off your copy of The Seasons of God. Well, Richard, you were talking about the importance of, of not going to the extreme of ignoring springtime and, and the other side of constantly trying to find the next springtime and not letting that flow into summer. So that, that raises the question, at least to me, what are the signs of, of springtime uh, in a person's life, in a person's work, in a person's, maybe it's personal life, maybe it's professional life? What would you say to someone to help them recognize the signs of spring in their life? That's a good question. Uh, and there's several things I think that, that can play into that. One is, have you experienced a winter lately? You know, <laughs> okay. winter kind of brings some things to an end. So for instance, uh, if you're a uh, spouse uh, passed away, for instance. Uh, you've gone through a time of mourning, grieving, um, but then you, you begin to ask, but does God have anyone else for me? And uh, and then, you know, two, two, three years later, all of a sudden you're in the same Bible study with someone that's uh, just seemed like a real delightful person that makes your heart sing. And some something in your spirit sort of sits upright and says, my goodness, uh, is God actually introducing something new into my life here? Yeah. I wasn't even really looking for it, but whenever I'm around this person, I, 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 for the, I, you know, I've been grieving for two years in a winter season of mourning, but uh, now all of a sudden I'm starting to feel joy again. Sometimes you, you know, God may shut down some things in your, maybe it's a volunteer position that you had. And uh, I know that over the years I've taught uh, in my church various adult Sunday school classes on Sunday mornings. And, uh, but when I, when at a certain period of my life, uh, my wife and I went to a church plant that didn't have morning Sunday school. And so that 
time in my life sort of came to an end. I'd done it for years, but now there wasn't a need for me to, wasn't a place for me. So I just thought, well, okay, it's a new season in my life where I do other things. And, uh, and that was fine. And ultimately, we moved to Atlanta. We joined uh, a new church, and we were just fine, you know, just attending and being members and so on. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm approached actually by my son at the time, who's on staff, who says, Dad, I'm really looking at starting a new a class for single adults. And uh, I'd like to, for single adults ages 26 to about 39 or so, 40. Would you be open to starting a brand new class? Well, I hadn't, hadn't even crossed my mind to do that. I certainly I wouldn't have thought about working with single adults like that, older singles. But, uh, you know, sometimes an idea hits you and all of a sudden your heart starts to race and you start to get all kinds of ideas and you start thinking about possibilities. And, of course, Sam, you're familiar with that class because one of the things that came along was uh, Lisa and I thought, hey, let's get Sam and Carrie and see if <laughs> yeah. they'd like to join us and co-teach. And then that would really be cool if we actually got to teach a class with my son-in-law and, uh, and my daughter. And, and, and then we started thinking of new ideas that I'd never done in teaching any class before. We have, of course, a class Facebook page. And uh, we, we did a number of new things in that class that even after years of teaching Sunday school, I'd never done before. And all of a sudden, your, your mind's racing and you realize, wow, you know, this could be a lot of fun. And, and uh, we launch it. And, we're, and, it's just a, and it's something I get to do with my wife. I I've ministered so much on my own traveling and speaking uh, where she wasn't there with me. And all of a sudden, God's given me an opportunity to minister in a way that Lisa plays a very prominent role. And it's something that we do together. And, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you know, God has just brought a brand new thing into my life that I, I just hadn't really thought about doing. But mm-hmm. it's actually becoming a very rewarding, meaningful new dimension that God has built into my life. And so sometimes you just have to look um, at possibilities that come your way. And then what do you do with those possibilities? You know, I think everybody has springtimes that that come knocking at their door. But some people, what you do with the season determines everything. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I think um, not not everybody has the same number or quality of springtimes. It's not equal. But everybody has springtimes. So, yeah. for instance, um, I think most people have opportunities to make friends. Uh, again, you know, depending where you are and the, what church you go to or what kind of people you work with, uh, it, it's going to determine the kind of friends you have the possibility of making. But I think everybody has an opportunity to develop new things in their life, like, like new friendships. But uh, for some of us, we don't handle that well. We don't reach out. We don't act kindly toward people. We're not thoughtful. We don't want to go out in the evenings, and so we don't socialize with people and make friends that others would yeah, have. Some of us are introverts and <laughs> perfectly happy to, <laughs> to, not to have... read a book. and. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's not that there weren't springtime possibilities. You know, you might have gotten the same invitation I did to go to an event, and but you didn't feel like it after a hard day's work, and, and I decided to to go anyway. And so, you know, how you handle the springtimes in your life is going to determine much about what comes of them. And would you say the springtimes are opportunities in life? Because I I would also, I would think that not every opportunity that's presented to you is, you know, you shouldn't just take every opportunity you're given, I would think. Like there needs to be discernment. So how do you, do you 
do you spend much time parsing that at all? Or Yeah, what? I think you have to certainly be praying and saying, God, is this from you or not? Is this a God spring time or not? Yeah. Uh, you know, or is it just, yeah, everybody has possibilities. Yeah, because I think you could, you could end up, you know, in my own life, if you accept every opportunity, you end up with all this stuff, this new stuff that you're doing that you really can't keep up with, right? Right. And so then that can lead to burnout and, and And that's why overcommitted or or whatever. Yeah. And that's why you have to also have a a winter time that precedes it. Winter time clears out unnecessary you know, tired activities, commitments in your life. So there's room for a new springtime. Yeah. But uh, I think partly springtime is about dreams, about passion. Springtime, that's how I know it's a springtime for me. Because I've had lots of, even in my church, you know, people came and said, hey, we need someone to volunteer working with uh, in the, in, in the teaching the nursery every week. I don't mind doing that now and then, but... Uh, if I were to be asked every week, come up with a, a lesson for, you know, four-year-olds, I, I might, that might, my heart might not sing with that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when you start talking about single adults uh, and ministering to them, all of a sudden it, you know, you can always tell when it's the springtime of God because you're intrigued and it's, uh, it, it ties into your passions and, uh you you start to dream about the possibilities, and you, you you can just sort of tell the difference of a springtime because it's tapping into something good and exciting. It might be terrifying, but you're drawn to it, and you just feel like it's an invitation from God. Not you know, other people always have invitations for you to do jobs that no they can't get anyone else to do. But uh, then now and then it just seems like, but this this is different. This seems like something exciting, something that ties in. And, you know, one other thing I would just say about that is that you can be old and have a new springtime. You know, I've, I, in the book, I tell some wonderful stories of people that were senior adults and yet entered into the greatest springtime they'd ever had. I have a friend named Nell that uh, was a widow, was 66 years old, had, uh, and she saw one day an advertisement in her church lobby about uh, a, a witnessing training class. And her first thought was, I've never really shared my faith with anyone before. I, I'm 66. I'm too old to take a new class and uh, to learn anything new. Maybe you have to read books. You have to memorize stuff. And I'm not sure I could do all that. But she just felt there's something in her spirit that just prompted her to say, but you're 66, but you're not too old to have a new springtime. And so Nell signs up, takes the class. The very last class, she actually goes out with the pastor, and the pastor is going to be sharing the gospel with someone. She's kind of there as a backup. But uh, as it turns out, a teenage girl comes into the room, and she um, she starts witnessing to the teenage girl. And she doesn't do the best job in the world, but at the end of that presentation, the girl prays to receive Christ. And Nell, for the first time in 66 years, has led someone to become a Christian. And she's so excited about it that she goes home, she buys a, a journal, and on page one, she writes number one, writes the, the date, writes the girl's name that became a Christian, writes the context of how it happened. And so she's got a whole book with one name in it. And she prayed, God, uh, before I die, would you just let me put one more name in this book? Well, before long, she she leads someone else to become a Christian, and and then another, and she discovers she's actually pretty good at this. God has gifted her, and 
she begins to lead dozens of people, and she keeps writing their names in the book. Well, a while later, a couple years later, I uh, got to meet her, and she personally, she's about 80, so she had been doing this for 14 or so years. And uh, I, I sat with her in her kitchen, and I said, Nell, you know what I want to see. And so she had that book, and she slid the book over to me, and uh, I'm looking at it, and I, I wanted to see how many people she'd actually led to, to pray the sinner's prayer to, to become a Christian. I turned right to the back of the book, and it's full right to the very back. But I realized that's not the last number. And, and so what happened is she was entering people's names in every other line because she never thought she'd fill up a whole book, but she did. She got to the last page, so she went back and was filling in the spaces that she'd left out originally. Hmm. And so I finally find the last number at that time, which was 3,147. Wow. And so here's a person that for 66 years had never led anyone to become a Christian, and then in the last 14 years had led 3,147 people. And that's not how many she witnessed to. That's how many actually prayed to become a Christian. And I remember looking at her and saying, and now she's 80 at that time. I said, now, how do you explain this to me? How, how do you explain 3,147 people that all have had their eternities forever changed because of you and what you've done beginning at age 66? And she just looked at me and said, uh, one day God just convinced me that he wanted to do a brand new thing in my life. And so every time I've seen that, I've thought to myself, wouldn't it be incredible if the greatest thing God ever did in your life was the next thing? And you might even be a senior adult at this point. Don't start saying, well, I'm too old now for God to do anything new or special or significant. Uh, in the Bible, many of the greatest leaders in the Bible, people like Abraham and Moses, uh, were senior citizens when God mm. did their greatest work. So just remember that Isaiah 43 passage. God says, behold, I will do a new thing. Uh, and when God does any new thing, it's always good. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.